pastor looks great when I wear these. But when I look down, everything goes a little swimmy. So I don't know that I'm going to like it. like the cape. Well, praise God. Um, I think uh, most everybody knows me here. Uh, I didn't know who we'd have here, but um, uh, I've been at Church on the Rock for almost 20 years. Um, I have three children. Lauren is my oldest. And then I have two sons, Graham and John, who are uh, a couple years younger than her. Um, and I serve here under Pastor Pastor Diana in the Ministry of Helps. And I count it an honor. And I know our, our uh, title uh, theme, which I didn't know in the beginning, was about following. And, uh, and I wouldn't be standing here today uh, if I hadn't followed. Amen? And I want to open, uh, first of all, I want to open in prayer, okay? Father, thank you so much for this opportunity and for these precious women of God that have gathered into your house today. And we plead the blood of Jesus over them. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher of the church. And I ask you, Father, to speak through my mouth today that I might be a vessel of honor for you, worthy and good for the master's service. We thank you that you have prepared. I have prepared as if it was on me, but I, today I'm counting it is all on you, Father, to use me, and may these girls have hearts to receive and minds to hear, and we thank you for this opportunity. We praise and bless you. Now, Father, I want to lift up Miss Jessica to you right now in the name of Jesus. She's just returned home. We thank you for the power of God working in her body that all pain, we bind up pain and we command peace to be in her and in those little boys that as they adjust to this new one coming home that it will all be sweet and good and that she'll recover supernaturally and be back among us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. How many of you miss Miss Jessica when she's not here? I do. Anyway, praise God. I'm a little bit like Brother Jordan. I can get off in prayer just stay there if we want to. But hallelujah. We're not here to do that. We are here because I'm supposed to be imparting some kind of little nuggets of good things to you all, and I hope we can do that today. We're going to open up by looking in the book of Titus, uh, not a book that we spend a lot of time in generally, uh, but we're going to, I just wanted to open up with a couple scriptures there uh, to set the tone for the day. Um, um, hallelujah. Something jumped out of my mind there. I was going to say something and it zipped away. Uh, we're looking at Titus 2 and verse 3. And it says, Bid the older women, similarly, to be reverent. I, I read out of Amplified. So Amplified. <laughs> reverent and devout in their deportment. That's in their carriage. As becomes those engaged in sacred service, not slanderers or slaves to drink. They are to give good counsel and be teachers of what is right and noble. And we're hoping to do some of that today. Verse 4, so, they, so that they will wisely train the young women to be sane and sober of mind, temperate, disciplined, and to love their husbands and their children. Uh, verse 5, to be self-controlled, chaste, homemakers, good-natured, kind-hearted, adapting and subordinating themselves to their husbands, that the word of God may not be exposed to reproach blasphemed or discredited. And then at the, the latter part of verse 14, I want to point out, um, and it says, uh, 
his own people who are eager and enthusiastic about living a life that is good and filled with beneficial deeds. Hallelujah. That's what we want. We want to be, uh, have a life that's good and full of beneficial deeds, like Brother Jordan said earlier. You know, we want to we wanna be followers, not fans. We won't want to be a fanatic that just falls out and, and loses heart. But we have to establish two things before we move on, and that's uh, number one, we really believe that the Word of God is truth. We got people who are Christians, and I've worked with them and been around them, and they may be good people, but they don't really believe it. They don't, they don't get it. Uh, and then number two, that we act like it is. Hallelujah. Uh, faith without works is dead, that we know that. So some of the things I say today probably aren't new to you all. You all have said in church services probably as much as I have because you start, some of you were born and raised in it. So uh, I, um, I'm not going to talk down to you at all. I, I see you as, as sisters in the Lord and peers. So, but we're going to cover a few things today. So we've got those two things established. We believe it's the truth, and therefore we want to follow it and act like it is in everyday life, not just on church days. So pastor always says, the man on the inside of me it is going to be manifested on the outside of me, according to Romans 12.1. So that's what we want. We want that good treasure that's in us to be manifested on the outside. And then Brother Jordan, on October 30th, he taught a ma message uh, about the body of Christ has an identity crisis. And part of that's because they don't believe the word is truth, but they have an identity crisis. And he said, if you don't know who you are, you'll act like who you aren't. And, oh, we see that. And doesn't it just grieve you when you see girls your age who are acting like who, who they aren't? You know that they're, they, they're not valuing themselves as who the Father sees them as. And you know that because you're living it, you're seeing it. And it's a sad thing. So we always have to be mindful of who we are and where we've come from. Where, uh, you know, the old saying, we're not from around these parts. When you're born again, you're not from around these parts. You're born of a heavenly kingdom. And you've got a spirit inside you that, that will draw you to a higher place, a place that, that, that is going to, to take you onto that path that's been prepared for you. We've heard some of that already today. But we've got to look at Ephesians 2.10 to know who you are and where you're from. Uh, this is just laying a foundation. I've got... Uh, I've laid, the Holy Spirit gave me six elements to share with you all today about uh, being a godly woman, and we'll get to those. But in Ephesians 2.10, I have it, um, I asked the Lord, help me be Uncle Les today. <laughs> so I typed out my scriptures. Uh, I said, Father, you know, I love sitting under Brother Les, you know, it's so warm, and, and I, I, I'm always taking notes, and he, he's saying things that he doesn't even know that he's saying that, that's worth treasures to me. And so uh, I can't be Brother Les, obviously, but while they're having their little chat, I'm hoping we're having some kind of a tea or chat down here, girls. So Ephesians 2.10 uh, I read out the Amplified, so it might be a little different. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, that we may do those good works which he predestined for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Have you seen what all he has already done? Oh, my lands. It's like if... if uh, 
someone very special and dear to you happened to ask you to go to a very fine restaurant and you walk in with this very handsome, good smelling gentleman and, and you get, he gives the name and the maitre d' says to you, oh yes, come this way. Uh, we've made everything ready for your arrival. Everything is just as you ordered it. And wouldn't you just get, ooh, you just get butterflies, wouldn't you? You know that that, that gentleman had made those kind of arrangements for you. Uh, how much more? Say that. How much more has Father God prepared for his daughters and, and sons, all of us, to get into that path? And that's what you're endeavoring to do today and all the days that you've set up under the church. You know, you've not listened to your flesh and done what was the easier. You've, you've said, I want to be in that higher path. And, uh, and praise God for it because you're an example to others around you. So we want to be living that prearranged, predestined, made ready, good life, a path prepared just for you. And we did say we believed what the Bible said, didn't we? So if we believe that's truth, then we, that's truth. There's, there's a good path already arranged. I didn't know that when I was your old age. I didn't know that. You know, and so I spent a lot of time looking for it. And you know what leads you when you're just doing that? Anybody? Emotions. You're just let. I, you know, am a sensitive person. That's not a sin. But it could have been, you know, had I not followed and been taught. Because sensitive people run with their emotions. Um, but, you know, and I, and like I said, I didn't ask to be a shaker. I didn't ask to be the woman in the church that's going to be shaking and a bacon up here. And, I, I, and I've tried to quench that, and I've tried to put that down through the years. And then finally I said, Father, I'm sorry. I'm not going to repent anymore for that. I'm going to be who you created me to be. That has There's something there for a reason. Yes, you might have to stand out from time to time. Yes, you're going to make mistakes because you got your emotions in on it. But in the end, if you'll stay teachable and trainable and tuned in to the Holy Ghost and submitted to a man of God, you're going to find a way to move in that effectively. And I feel like I'm just on the cups of that. I'm going to be 55 in a month. Huh. You all, look, look what you know already. Look what you know already. You can embrace yourselves, those qualities in you that you... Maybe you haven't done this because you've been well-trained, but I spent years internally putting myself down and beating myself up. No matter what I weighed, I didn't, it wasn't the right weight. When I was 124 pounds, I hated that my hip bones stuck out. Would to God I could see them today. You know what I mean? There, if you run in the natural, you're just always going to find some, something to be dissatisfied about. And uh, God doesn't want that for us. You're created special now. You know, you, what's in you, yes, it's developing and you're finding your way in it, but embrace it. And um, I hope you don't mind. I want to use Rebecca as an example for a minute. I, it came to me today. That's why I said we walked in together. I was just, Holy Ghost was talking to me about her when I was thinking of this created. I'm off in a different direction. I'm going to have to get back. Said there was probably a time when she was probably 10 or 11 where she, you know, when girls are looking at themselves more, where she probably thought, I am so pale. I hate myself. Everybody thinks I'm an albino. <laughs> you know? She probably did. Uh, and 
and I know for a fact with Caitlin that when she was little, because I knew her better, she felt pale, you know, and oh, freckly, and <laughs> and what? Because you stayed in the Word and you let the Word of God mold you and hold you, then you began to say, "Oh my gosh, you know, this pale thing is working out for me." <laughs> You know, and instead of putting it down, she says, I'm going to embrace this thing. I'll take my hair even lighter, and then one day I'll be on a bulletin board, a billboard, and people, they better hold their mouth. You want to call me a bino? And then she could could laugh at herself, you know, or say, yeah, I'm a bino, but it's paying the bills. Glory to God. Okay? That example, you turn it around. And then Caitlin began, my hair is unique. There's no one else that has hair just like mine. And it's beautiful. And she began to realize, oh, my gosh, this is part of my crown and glory. This is part of who I am. And so you embrace those things and, be, and become them. And, and when you do that, all of a sudden this beauty comes through. It's not all about hormones. It's about accepting who you are at whatever stage in life you are. Amen? And it becomes, sometimes I look at you all when in, in the congregation, I almost feel teary because you're so gorgeous. You know, you're just so gorgeous. All of you are like, ah, what is that? That's the Holy Ghost. I went back to work this week. To, I, I left my job in December, and uh, I've been home seeking the Lord and kind of hanging out with him and resting up. And I went back and went to help for four hours, and one of the girls said, you look different. Did you lose weight? And I said, no, but bless God, thank you. you know? She goes, no, no, something's different about you. And she left the room and came back, and she said, what is it? And I, I said, I don't know. And she left again. She, she goes, you're refreshed, aren't you? And, what I, and I said, oh, my gosh, what I took, she said, you're anointed, aren't you? I had gotten so busy and harried and pulled apart by other people's strife, in, in the workplace, and then I said, Father, this is not the atmosphere for me. I'm not staying here. You provided. I don't care how much they pay an hour. I'm getting out of this strife. And being in peace with me brought a whole glow, so to speak, that, that somebody else in the world recognized. That's what you are all the time. On the campuses you walk, in the classrooms you go to. Amen. It's, it's wonderful. Being a godly woman is rich. It's a rich way to live. And you carry, when this scripture in Titus said, teach them deportment. This is so not what I had planned. Teach them deportment. How you carry yourself. When you are a queen, you walk as a queen. When you have authority, you walk as authority. There's probably places, I'm sorry, I'm pulling people out. Mamai, you know I do it in love. Where... She might be the only one of her color in the room. She carries herself. I'm a queen in here. You could have the opposite, any of you, where you go. Maybe you're the only one there. Maybe you're going into a profession that's predominantly male. You're going to have to carry yourself in a different way. You're going to have to carry yourself in a different way. Amen? All right. All right. The six things. I I have prepared some cards. This is... What I like to do for myself, I, I, this is one thing I can do on the computer, is print on a, a four by six card. <laughs> and bless God, I do it every chance I get. 
Um, so you all, are, I like, one reason I like it is because it fits in my Bible. If, if I have a timely word, some of the quotes that I take from Brother Jordan, from Brother Les, from Pastor, I'll put them on here because I want to keep them fresh with me. If I put them in my notebook of papers, sometimes I can't find them when I'm in that, that needy spot. So I gave them to Carrie and she'll pass them out to you. Uh, we're going to look at the six elements that the Holy Spirit spoke to me about uh, my, you know, everybody has their little areas that are stronger to them than others, and mine is love and prayer. And uh, I can't ever have an opportunity to share, excuse me, that I'm not going to mention love and prayer because, well, I'm going to have myself. So these are the six things. I'm going to go over them quickly, and then we'll move on. The first one is be rich in faith. Now, there's something on the back. I'd rather you not read it till we get there, okay? Be rich in faith. I've already said that. James 2, 5. Ha has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? Has God not chosen us to be rich in faith? Yes, he has. Why? Because there's a victory. That's where that path is, is in faith. Amen? Second, we've got to be kingdom-minded. Be aware of who you are. We've had some awesome messages this past year on kingdom, uh, kingdom conscience, consciousness by uh, Pastor uh, Dennis and, and uh, Brother Jordan and Pastor. Uh, oh, my gosh, they lit my, my fire, and they're still burning in me. This is where our answers lie. Amen? Allow yourself to be mentored. Keep a teachable spirit. No matter how old you get, you must remain teachable. Mentoring has always been something that uh, I love because it changed my life. When a woman older than me came into my life, it's Miss Susan Gedney. Uh, back when my kids were little, uh, I had a mother at that time, uh, had great advice. She was not taught in the Lord. And so she had great natural advice, but Miss Gedney helped me to step into the things of the Spirit and help me to get faith in action that I'm living out today. She taught me when I just, after having a baby, don't believe, don't wait till you're in the menopause to get faith for it. She said, I went through it without a symptom that I can speak of, maybe a couple hot flashes. That's what she told me. And you know what? At that point, I could have cared less about menopause. I was having a regular period every month. I had my hands full with three babies in four years. It, wasn't, it was the least thing on my faith meter. But that was a seed that I said, okay. And so I began to include it. I'll go through it without, well, before it snip, snap, two finger snaps, and you're there. And bless God, it's been like easy. Amen. Why? Because I had a teachable spirit when an older woman spoke to me. Uh, know how to pray effectively. Know how to pray effectively. You guys are already ahead of the band because you're being taught. But um, most old-timers will tell you prayer is not taught, it is caught. You need to be around people of prayer when they're praying. When you can, on Tuesday mornings if you're free, get into Miss Donna's prayer group. Now maybe that day you may come and you think, this is dry as an old cracker. You know, nothing here that's really interesting to me. Hang in there. The next time, an angel might tap somebody on the shoulder, and you'll go to the moon. 
you, but you can't judge it. Prayer is not a, a ooey-gooey, feely thing. You may have them when you get in it right. When you get in the Spirit, it's like nothing else in your life. And I mean nothing else. Nothing else. Hear me when I say that. When you get over in the Spirit where God's taken you, it is like nothing else in this life. It is a taste of heaven where we're to walk on a more regular basis. And here it is. Get rid of fear at all costs. Fear is your enemy. I feel like I'm in a boot camp. Get rid of fear. Fear is your enemy and I'm your greatest fear right now. <laughs> Do you ever feel that way, Lauren? No. <laughs> never. No, I was never rough on her. It didn't have to be. But, I, uh, and the last one, always at all times be mindful of how love behaves. If you are unaware how love behaves, you have not been in your Bible. There is plenty of descriptions in there how love behaves, and you need to learn it, memorize it. It becomes your DNA. There is nothing in this life that should take you out of love. Dr. Hagen, great man of God that has taught millions of people around the world how to live by faith, how to understand faith, how to walk in healing and wholeness. Dr. Hagen, what's your greatest message? What's your greatest challenge? Stay in love. He studied more on his love walk than anything else. The man didn't have a headache in 60 years. Should we be paying attention to that? I think we might. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. A godly woman changes the world around her. How does she do that? By faith, which only works within the confines of love. Let's look at this. I have a glove. This is faith. This is my faith. I have a measure of faith. You have a measure of faith. This is your glove. This is an awfully ugly glove. I have pretty gloves, but this one was easier to carry in the notebook. So this is my faith. Is it working? It's really, it's there. It's tangible. It's not really doing much. This is my love. This is an agape love that also was shed abroad in my heart. God gave me everything. He gave me the tools. He gave me a measure of faith. There you go. You accept Jesus. Here's your measure of faith. Also, you get a, a, a measure of love. Here's the agape kind of love, unconditional love. When faith is, when love is enclosed by faith, it becomes functional. With these two elements, I can reach out and grasp whatever I dream of. Whatever is in my heart to do, now my faith has power. And it can grab hold, and it can pull down giants. It can pull down mountains. It can change the way I feel about myself. It can change my income. It can change my family. It can change everything in my life. And the bigger part, it, it doesn't just change me. It changes Lisa. It changes everybody that I touch with it. It changes, and, 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 and it has that kind of power. And you know what? I always got it with me. I can carry it in my pocket. I can put it in my purse. It's always hidden within me. Uh, it doesn't matter if I'm in a strapless gown or bathing suit or a big, heavy, wooden woolen coat. It's with me somewhere. You better believe it is. And I'll whip it out on you any chance I get. <laughs> right? And maybe, you know, maybe I go into a, my prayer closet, and this embraces 
this web, this is the only tool that I need and you need to succeed in life. Right here. These two things. Linked together, faith is useless without the other. He, and, and when we, even in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians, you've got 13. Let's look at the back of your card. This is out of my study Bible, the Spiritual Life Study Bible. I thought it was so awesome that I wanted you to have it and keep it and be able to read it. Now, you all know 1 Corinthians 13. Well, you. I loved it in the Amplified. This brings it home. I want to talk about it because, uh, say, this is my life. Is my life. All, that I want, all that I want and all that I need, that I need. is on the back of this little card. And if you'll believe it and receive it, I'm telling you, it, it is. It is. It is. Let's look at it. Without love, the most magnificent manifestation of spiritual gift and the most heroic self-sacrifice means nothing. Right things must be done in the right way. Love suffers long, having patience with imperfect people. Love is kind, active in doing good. Love does not envy since it is non-possessive and non-competitive. It actually wants people to get ahead. Hence, it does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up, treating others arrogantly. It does not behave rudely, but displays good manners and courtesy. Love does not seek its own, insisting on its own rights and demanding precedence. Rather, rather it is unselfish. Love is not provoked. It is not irritable or touchy, rough or hostile, but it is graceful under pressure. Love thinks no evil. It does not keep an account of wrongs done to it. Instead, it erases resentment. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, finding satisfaction in the shortcomings of others and spreading an evil report. Rather, it rejoices in the truth aggressively advertising the good. Love bears all things, defending and holding other people up. Love believes the best about other people, credits them with good intentions, and is not suspicious. Love hopes all things, never giving up on people, but affirming their future. Love endures all things, persevering and remaining loyal to the end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Yes. Isn't that... Uh, it's just so good. <laughs> you don't even need to elaborate on it. it. It's so good. You know, faith is the vehicle that God has given us to get into. It's a vehicle. Love is your fuel. This kind of love, it will take you in your vehicle any way you want it, anywhere you need to go. Uh, and, and like I said, there is nothing impossible. Nothing impossible. Uh, and one of the greatest um, demanding commitments you'll ever have to make is to live like you believe this and to apply it in every situation. Don't take any situation out of those confines. Some people think, well, I li work, live in love. I walk in love. And yet I hear them. The tone in their voice with their family is snippy and rude. That's not love, girls. Um, that, uh, but and, and the, it hit me several years ago, and it's changed my life. 
when I read it out of the Amplified, and I said, Father, how could, this is impossible. A human can't live it. Because it said, love takes no notice of a suffered wrong. Do you know what that means? You don't notice it. You don't notice it. It takes no notice of when somebody does something they shouldn't have done or said something they shouldn't have said. Where your feelings are hurt. Are your feelings going to get hurt in this life? You better believe it. You don't have to be sensitive to have your feelings hurt. But if you are sensitive, you won't get them hurt a lot more. What are you going to do with it? When you get married, is anybody married in here? Oh, isn't <laughs> Those girls over there. Uh, it's a whole new ball. And Lauren, sorry, honey, sorry. Um, it's a whole nother ball game. Now you got some, oh, there's a married lady. Oh, we got married ladies everywhere. Okay, well, good. I'm going to go ahead and preach this then. Um, you have married someone drastically opposed in your department. You, he's going to be totally different from you. Now, God, he did that on purpose, as far as I can figure out. You know, because if, because if both of you are walking in love, his messy, you're clean. When you walk in love with each other, everybody finds a balance. Okay? He, you're chatty. He's silent. When you walk in love with each other, eventually he'll be more chatty, and you'll learn to tone it down. <laughs> That's God's way. Because in every, no relation, it's like what King David said. I will not give the Father something that costs me nothing. And a, a marriage is one of the most valuable, amazing relationships. Marriage is awesome. Don't let the world tell you it's a lot of work. I've never agreed with that. It has not been a lot of work. Well, maybe I define work differently than other people. Has it caused, does it cause, does it, what's the word I'm looking for? Not cause. Does it, uh, Anyway, does it have to have, uh, is there a giving of self? Absolutely. Particularly for a woman. He says, get real. You're going to have to give of yourself. When you don't want to. And when you don't feel like it. But you will give it because he said, whether you like it or not, this is not women's lib 101, okay? This is gospel, Bible 101. And it said, he set Christ as the head of the man and the man as the head of the church. Of the woman, sorry. Christ is the head of the church. What I say? Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of the woman. You submit to him. Even in this, it says, and it said, older women teach the younger women how to love and respect their husbands. You don't do that with a, a chip on your shoulder or a swagger in your household. And you don't do that with slamming pots in the kitchen or, or, or intentionally avoiding his laundry. <laughs> that is not how love behaves. Because you're not in his shoes. You're not in his skin. He's given up a lot for you too, baby girl. And he's making adjustments. Albeit he'll make them slower than you do. But he will make them. And the greatest way that he makes them is when you, sister girl, walk in love. When you are selfish, un unselfish, unself-centered, not self-centered, not possessive, not conceited or arrogant, he will re 
you walk it. He'll hurt your feelings. Yes, you've hurt his. You might not have thought he, you did because he doesn't show it like you do. If you ever lived with a roommate and you hurt her feelings, well, boom, and you knew it. I'm sorry, Susan. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. He's not going to do that. And you may not know when you've hurt him, but believe me, you will at some point. How do you get out of that? Love. You get back in your vehicle. Here it is. Right there it is. You had it all the time. You just forgot about it. Pull it out. Use it in every area of your life. Amen? Amen. The next thing is, oh, and in love, that same principle works in the church. And I was talking about with young girls, some teenagers here. When I was at that age, and I think since then, uh, I think it's gotten worse. Junior high is like, to me, it would be the worst place on earth. It's like hell and plaid skirts. I mean, that's the way I would see it. My gosh. And girls are the snippiest, bitingest of them all, from what I can tell. And it just breaks my heart when I've been around it. I thought, oh, my gosh. The biggest mistake I made was sending my children to junior high. Okay. If you're there, and you have to be there, then you walk it out in the protection of God. And you walk it out in love in a way that the other girls aren't walking. And they may not notice it right off because they're eat up with fear and hate. But God notices it. And he will reward. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And you cannot follow his ways without reward. I'm telling you, there is no way. If you take anything from this, if you seek him and follow him, he will reward you. And before you know it, oh, I, I, who knows what all he might use. You could be the president of your class. You could be president of the country, whatever. You're going you're gonna to come out of that. Amen. But you're not going to do any of that unless you get over your enemy, and that is fear. Fear is your worst enemy. It is a counterfeit. It is sent to steal, to combine you in. It's sent to, to get you out of faith because faith defeated the devil. It puts you in authority. Jesus' blood puts you in authority over fear and anything else the devil has to throw at you. So, but that is his biggest tool, and he will throw it at you. Do we ever feel nervous or worried? Yes. Do you want to take that thought and develop it? No. From a fear of a test to a fear of a medical report, to whatever it is, there's different levels of fear. You've got to recognize it, cast it down quickly. When I was young, I was consumed with fear. Fear ate me up. One reason, my mother was fearful. And so she taught that on some level, and then you catch it. And the devil loves to get in bloodlines, and where he has freedom, he just runs. Just like in some of your houses, faith runs, love runs, because that's what's loosed in that house. Uh, I happen to have fear in mind. So by the time I was in college and grad school, Oh, my gosh, when my roommates left for the day, I remember a time I was on the floor. I was, like, petrified with fear. Why? Because of thought. Just the thought of someone was, what was that noise? Now, all of a sudden, there's ten noises. You know, and you just get more and more. Fear just swells in a heartbeat when you take your thought. So uh, I remember the day I got delivered from fear. It was one of the best days of my life. Oh, my gosh. I was so glad. I was like, oh, my. People actually live this way. 
This is, it felt all gooey and warm and wonderful. Why? Because that icky cold spirit was off of me. It was horrible. But fear will steal from you. Uh, Psalms 34, 4 and 5. I sought the Lord and he delivered me from all my fears and all that look to him are radiant. Oh my gosh, how many in here want to be radiant? I do. Yes. Uh, and he said, there's scripture to stand on. You, when fear, you seek him, fear gets out of your life and you're actually radiant. What are you radiant with? Just love. When fear is out, your love is going to show. And people notice it. They feel it. They're, they want to be around it. Hallelujah. Boy, this is different than what I expected. It's fun, though. Praise God. Next, you've got to be a person of prayer. Wait a minute. I think I skipped something. Let me back up a second. We forgot our kingdom people. Kingdom. Be kingdom-minded. Always mindful of the kingdom of God. That's where you live. Your passport, which for those who don't know, is a passport. Uh, it's a legal document that has your picture on it tells you where you can go and where you can't go in other countries. When you go to Mexico, you might need it. If you go to Canada, you need it. You know, you've got you to gotta have that or you don't get back. What's it tell you? It tells you where you are a native to. You're a native of the United States. You have a legal right to go back when you get out of the country, right? And so that's why I brought my dolls here today. I have a little doll collection. These are just some. So if I were to hold this one up, um, where would you say she was? Where is she native from? Where is she from? Pardon me? Japan, you're right. This was actually sent to me back in the 70s from a young man who went in the Marine Corps and sent me a doll from Japan. Where would we guess this one's from? Spain or Mexico, that's right, yeah. Um, ooh, ah, come back. <laughs> I knocked the girls out. Egg, be healed in Jesus' name. <laughs> fire, fire, chain. Um, this is a little bit tougher one. I've had this one the longest. Where do you think she's from? That's a good guess. She's actually, pardon me? That's good. That's good. Vietnam. She's Vietnamese, and it was a, our neighbor, when I was a little girl, our neighbor's uh, son was in the service, and he was actually over there and sent this to me. So I've had her, and look how pale she is. She's beautiful. And then this one, you'll probably never guess. Hey, you're good. You all got these. Oh, you've been there. Some of you've been there. And then, of course, <laughs> yeah. And what do we call them? Native Americans, because they are native to America. How do we know? How do we all recognize these silly little dolls? By what um, they're clothed in. They're clothed in their native lands costumes and customs. Let's call it that way. They're clothed in the customs of their native land. So are you. So are you. And so that clothing of heaven, that anointing, that presence of royalty is on you at all times. And so people will, because they're unschooled, they may not know where you're from, but they'll say, you're different. What's different about you? Just like that woman at work said, 
different with you? Well, well, you look you look better to me. What's different? There's more happened. I got back in my native garb, right? And so in that, and in that passport, our passport is from heaven, and we are only here until our trip is over. And then that passport takes us right back to the homeland. And we go back, hopefully, looking more like them than we did when we started. Amen? It's a really awesome thing. And it also gives you the, uh, the assurance that you're not alone. Kingdom, kingdom consciousness um, tells you that you're part of something universal, something bigger than yourself. And that will help keep you anchored in because it's truth and it's right. And uh, the devil will try to always separate you out and say you're alone and you're different. But if you stay kingdom conscious, you'll be reminded, that's not true. There's a whole universe just like me. You just don't know them yet. You know? Very good. So we take a... Um, taking authority over fear. We're talking about prayer, aren't we? Prayer, we know that the righteous prayer, a prayer of a righteous man availeth much, makes tremendous power available. Uh, Ian Bounds, some of you may have known him, great man of prayer, written a lot of books. He, to, he said once, talking to men for God, that would be like the preacher, talking to men for God may be a great thing and a very commendable thing. But talking to God for men is far more valuable and commendable. So prayer is that. It's talking to God for men, for men and women on their behalf. It's a precious commodity. And the king, you're a king's daughter, and he says, come. Hebrews 4.16 tells us to not just come, but to come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help in time of need. Come, what did he say? You come in here. Come in, daughter. Come in. Why? To obtain. And that went off in me. I thought, oh my gosh, because of my personality, I, uh, I don't like to butt in, you know, uh, don't want to be the strongest voice in the room, so to speak. But he is telling you, so you might kind of stand in the back and you think it's all right. Who else is going? You know, you've got that mentality about that going into the king's chamber. Uh, but he, he said, come in, daughter. And the reason you come is to obtain. So you've seen little kids opening gifts before, you know, they kind of just start tearing and you're, you think that's not good manners. Well, they don't care. They see a gift, it's been given to them, whom they're tearing it open. He wants us to have that mentality about coming and obtaining. It's not wrong to go there to get something. The Father set it up that way. I noticed when uh, Lauren was uh, coming into the pastor's family that she had access to his office, to the computers, to places in this uh, facility that, that, nobody, that most people don't have. Why? Because she became family. She became family. You're in the Father's family. He fully expects you to go in 
and to come boldly and to, and to leave with something. It's like going to grandma's. You never leave empty-handed. You always come out with something. That's the way he wants it. Um, so, you know, we've got to learn how to pray effectively. And you pray the word and you pray the answers. But those of us praying, um, who are baptized in the Holy Ghost and have the evidence of speaking in other tongues, 1 Corinthians 14, 2, tells us that we pray out secret things, the plans and purposes of God. Now, we just read 1 Corinthians 13, which told us all about what? Love. Told us all about love. And then from love, he moved right into chapter 14, 13, 14, into praying in the Holy Ghost. There's a connection there. Then he also talked about the gifts of the Spirit. All of that run together. You're going to have to if you pray in the Holy Ghost, it pastor would say it's a bird's nest on the ground. You don't have to use your head, your, your mind. You don't have, I don't know what to pray. Well, pray in the Holy Ghost. Apply that supernatural power to your situation, to the situation of others, to your family. I don't know where I would be today as a parent if I had not had that gift to be able to pray in the Holy Ghost and know that I was stalking the shelves of that person's life, that when they made a good decision, they could grab hold of spiritual things, pull it down and come out delivered in Jesus' name. Pastor Nancy says when we pray, we stalk the pantry shelves of heaven. There's power set up in there for them. And, and so when the blinders, when the blinders of the enemy come off of that person, you know, you're, you're praying that, that the eyes of their understanding be enlightened, that they wouldn't know what is the hope of their calling. Let them come to see the hope of their calling. These are the things that mature prayers pray for other people. I just was thinking, you know, we, we call, uh, erroneously really, we call prayer intercession. All prayer is not intercession. Intercession is for the lost, uh, for the heathen. But supplication, he says, make supplications for the saints. And I thought, it just hit me here recently. You all probably already know. The root word of supplication, supply. You're supplying. You're laying up a supply for the saints, for other people in the body who are not, who may be hurting. or something. You don't have to know what all they're going through. All you know is that that unction from the Holy Ghost has hit you, and you need to lay up a supply. You're making supplication for the saints. And while I'm on that, I might say the most important responsibility we all have is to pray, supplicating for our pastors. There is a level that he has gone to, she has gone to, that they need prayer support. We as a church will not fulfill the call of God on, this, on us if we do not pray our pastors out into it. So... Uh, it, I think we're coming into that pastor's teaching a lesson on prayer. He's beginning that series. It's for a very divine purpose. I know a couple years ago, the Holy Ghost pulled me up sharp. And he said, you bet, and essentially in a nutshell, in Becky Gert translation, you better start doing what I've asked you to do. I've asked you to pray for him. He has begged you practically to pray for him. He stood before this congregation and said, I can't pull this any longer. I can't pull that truck any longer by myself. You all are going to have to. He, what's he saying? We don't make decisions, but we're going to pray that supply. We're going to supplicate so that he can run, that that truck will feel like a, uh, like a kite, 
that he's going, oh my gosh, and whoo, when he takes off, the, the kingdom of God is enlarged. It's not just about our bottoms in these seats. Amen? But prayer is the only avenue to get you there. Get him where he needs to go. And I've been moving in that in a greater way, and I'm telling you, you can sense it. There's, there's change in you when you give of yourself for someone else like that. It's amazing. Amen? Um, and prayer, like I said, needs to be caught, so get around. Uh, give honor to whom honor is due. Be around people who've walked through some things who've walked through pain, who've walked through joy, who are in joy, who, who, who have experienced a few things. Some of you will never have dramatic testimony. <laughs> Glory to God, that's every parent's dream. Yeah. Those of us that have parents that have been in this church, that's what we pray. God, don't let them have dramatic testimonies. Their testimony will stand up and say, praise God, I have lived this life that he ordained for me. I have been in the path. And it's been as glorious as he said. Do you want to come? And that's the path we want. So don't ever play in your head, I wish I had something dramatic to tell. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't want that. Amen. And one thing I wanted to say is young people have a door of influence that they rarely use. And you don't really know it when you're young. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, it was not until you get beyond that age that you realize, oh, my gosh, people listen to the very young. People listen to the very young that are different from the run of the mill. And that's you all. They listen to the very young and they listen to the very old. And so when, when you all say something that has wisdom and weight to it, hmm, it makes the middle-aged, the older person, cough their head and say, hmm, that's quite an unusual young person. And you can say, that's God in me. Would you like to know more about it? So use your influence. Use your, I just exhort you to use the influence that you have there. All right. Our time is quickly running out. Hallelujah. Um, now, Brother Jordan has given me... Um, let me do a quick check here just to make sure I'm clear. Monday I went out to our cabin in the woods to meditate and uh, it was a wonderful day. You know, bit the, built a fire and just me and the Holy Ghost and uh, spent some time together and um, then I lay down to take a nap and I thought it sounded like the way Pastor does, you know, as he was beginning to, as I was kind of just waking up, uh, I heard these things go off in my spirit. And I wish they were um, hip, hip, hooray things. <laughs> I like that sort of thing. This is really different for me. Um, but I'm going to say them anyway, okay? Might be a word of knowledge. Maybe it's for somebody who didn't come today. I don't know. But uh, I'm going to say it. He... There's someone, there's someone who has been peeping, I call it peeping, peep, that's a word he said to me, peeping at pornography. And you think it's harmless, you're just curious to see what the excitement's about. And uh, I'm here to say you better stop it. Uh, 
yourself up to a spirit of lust which begins subtly and pre- appears harmless at first because, you know, nobody knows and, and uh, you're not really envious. You're just kind of saying, what, what are they thinking? Right? But it begins to affect your thinking. And when, it's, uh, when entertained, it begins to affect a lot of things, the way you dress. And whether you realize it or not, males, men, particularly men, uh, they can perceive that too. At least they've been noticed. I'm not talking about every male. I'm just talking about men in general. And even though they're unspiritual, they can perceive that. And it will begin to affect your self-image and distort your perception of sex and of yourself. And a spirit of lust tears people down in more ways than I can even say right now. I don't have the words to say, but it will tear you down. And so I don't know, like I said, it may be for somebody who's not even here today that maybe they were going to be and they didn't make I don't know. I have no idea what you're going to do today. But that's just what I heard. And I, in my wildest dreams, I wouldn't have thought that up. But um, don't peek around on the computer. Don't don't slip into things. And things will pop up. Cookies pop up. Things pop up. They're trying to lure you. Uh, and I just tell you, it's not worth dabbling in. And then you know what it does? It makes you feel condemned then later. And then you have to get beyond that. And once you feel condemned, it will keep you out of that throne room. Because remember when you were little and you did things you weren't supposed to do? Did you really want to run up to mom and talk to her or dad and talk to <laughs> You're just kind of laying low, hoping it all blew over before they found out what you did to the couch or 